Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Troy. Before you sit, okay, I caught you before you sit down. If you believe that God is the author of everything good, say amen. Amen. And then if you believe that we mess things up, say amen. Amen. And that's why God had to step in and recreate people to make what was broken good again. Now say amen again. You can grab a seat. I was thinking about the folks from two cities that are up in Alaska right now, specifically the Earl family, when I came across this news broadcast. Um, August of 2020, there was a family that had a child that started to experience some health problems, and those health problems went from bad to worse. It got so bad that they had to call in a medevac to rescue my child and get them to a major medical facilities. The problem is that this family lived in a remote village in southwest Alaska. And anybody who knows anything about Alaska knows just how big that state is and how remote those villages are. So there's a lady by the name of Ida Nelson. It's 11 o'clock at night. She just got done taking a bath, getting ready to go to bed. And she notices, I'm hearing something outside. And it sounds strange. It doesn't sound like trucks passing down the highway. What is that noise? So Ida goes outside And she sees an airplane that's circling over her house because Ida lives just a few hundred yards away from an airport. There was a problem with the little tiny airport in this Alaska village. They had a problem and the lights wouldn't come on. And no matter what they tried, they couldn't get the runway lights to come on. Now there's a family that's in a panic. Now there's a child that's life is hanging on by a limb. And now there's a bush pilot that's flying a medevac airplane around in circles, but there's absolutely no way to land. Even the most talented pilots on the planet cannot land with zero lights. So Ida gets on the phone and she calls her neighbors and she says, stop what you're doing. Get on the four wheeler, get in the pickup truck, get to the airport as fast as you can. And every single car in the village goes to the airport Ida starts to marshal them around. They all park on the east side of the airport and they line up the entire runway so that that pilot can land the plane, put the child on board, and get the child to the hospital to save the child's life. The only picture that we have is Ida and all of the people in the village parking their four-wheelers and their pickup trucks and cars, lighting up this runway so that this village can save a child's life. And I was thinking about this story as I was reading Genesis chapter 1. Now, if you kind of found us for the first time today, last week we started studying through the very first book of the Bible. We we only looked at the very first verse, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to look at the first day of human history today. And what you're going to see from the Bible is God's raw creative power. And I don't think there's any way anybody in their right mind can miss this. God's word is what brings light from an eternity of darkness. It is one spoken word. And now darkness 
flees. And now for the first time in human history, there's light. Actually, what we're reading about today is the day one on the calendar. If all of human history was a clock that was wound up, this is the first second that the clock starts ticking. And obviously, we're going to see about the universe around us. But church, please don't miss this. I don't want you to only see God's raw creative power in the universe. I want you to see how powerful he is in your life. I want you to see what that light does in your life personally. Because I believe he is still doing today what he did way back on the first day of creation so we're going to go back to the beginning. Actually, we're going to go relook Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to see what happens when God speaks his word into the darkness. And what we'll see first is how God's word brings order out of chaos. Quite literally, if you have an older translation of the Bible, that word chaos is probably in your Bible right now. Because this is the first moment in history. This is the moment that the clock starts ticking for the first time. And here's how Genesis chapter 1 describes this for us, starting in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, that's big picture. Now let me narrow in the picture for you. And let me show you how this happened. Now the earth was formless and empty. And darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. Now hang on to that phrase, watery depths, because it's kind of important. And the Spirit of God, say Spirit of God out loud. Notice that it is capital S. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. What the Bible is trying to describe for us is the first moments in creation. Like the very first thing that happened before anything happened. And I just want to say, you got to give the guy who wrote this passage some props today because he's doing his best to describe for us something that no human being has ever seen. We can't even comprehend it in our minds. My life group was having a discussion last, or just this past week about this, and a couple of the people, specifically parents, asked, how do I answer my child when they say, hey, mom and dad, what happened before the first day of creation? What was it like before the beginning? And I was like, mm, the problem with that question is there's no words in the human language to describe this. So the guy who's writing this passage for us, his name is Moses, and I believe he gets this story directly from the mouth of God because God reminds his brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, Way back in Numbers chapter 12, hey, I talk to other prophets with dreams and visions, but my boy Moses, I speak to him mouth to mouth like a man speaks to a man. And I believe God says, Moses, sit down. Take a pencil and a piece of paper. I need you to write this down. In the beginning, I created it all. Now, let me tell you how I did that. And now Moses has a problem because Moses has to describe something that human language can't describe. He has to describe what was it like before the beginning? What was it like before God did the first thing that we have a record of? And if you think about it for a second, no human language has words for that. So Moses uses language today like the watery depths. 
I don't really think he was talking about water and I don't really think there were depths, but he's basically saying God was putting stuff together and he was getting ready to start creating. And before he even creates, I need you to know something. God is at work. We learned this very powerfully last week. But I also need you to know that there's a second player at work today. Who is it? It's the Spirit of God. Thank you. And notice that this is a proper noun. Notice it's capitalized. In other words, we're talking about a name right now, not a title. God the Father is at work right now. God the Spirit is at work right now. And he's going to start the clock ticking. He's going to begin human history. And we're going to see today what day one of human history is like. And just for those of you who are wondering, I am a guy who believes in a young earth and six literal 24-hour periods, six literal days of creation. That's where I'm at, and I can tell you why I'm there. Not everybody agrees with me. The Spirit of God was hovering, is what the Bible tells us, over the stuff that God created. Now, anybody in this room know a helicopter parent? Seriously. You know those parents that hover over their children and they're always brooding over their children and they're kind of doing their best to make sure that little darling never gets in trouble and actually what they're doing is making sure that their little darling is not ready to live on their own and not ready to adult because they're hovering over them. The phrase helicopter parent is the exact words. I researched this this week that the Bible is using right here. God's spirit, listen to this word, is brooding over, hovering over, cherishing the things that God is about to create. That's the language that the Bible is using for us right now. In other words, God is already starting to show his love before he's even spoke the first words of creation. This week, actually tomorrow in the United States, We're going to honor the impact that one man made on many generations of Americans that Dr. King left after he, um, after the civil rights movement and after he made an impact on us. Dr. King, in a sermon that he preached, described what was it like before the beginning of time. And he said there was actually something before the beginning. And that something was the love of King Jesus. Here's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Calvary is a telescope through which we look into the long vista of eternity. Listen to this, church. And see the love of God which breaks forth into time. In other words, if you really want to know, if you want to explain what was around before the beginning, well, the Bible tells you In no uncertain terms what was around before the beginning. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, For those of us who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been purchased as his sons and daughters by the love of God which was poured out. Listen to this language. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Before the foundations of the world. Before God even set the world in order. He wanted to shower his love on people. And 1 Peter chapter 1 reminds us, When you were purchased... It wasn't through gold and silver because that stuff in eternity will wear out. You were purchased with something that never wears out. You were purchased by the blood of Jesus, which was planned out for you, Peter's language, before the foundations of the earth were even set. 
And what was around before the first day of creation? Not only God the Father, not only God the Spirit hovering over it all, but the love of King Jesus was part of the plan before God even spoke the first words and created what we see around us. And now I want to slow down for just a second and look at verse 3. Just one verse, because this one verse is the word of God which sparks light into darkness. This is the first time that God's word shows up, and God's word is raw, and it is powerful. Listen to verse 3. Then God said, let there, I don't even know how to do the God voice right now. Then God said, let there be light. You know the famous voice from the movies? And the Bible tells us, just speaking the word, and there was light. Now, can I point out something that's pretty obvious from what we see on the screens right now? Where is the sun? Where are the stars? Where is the moon at this point in creation? Where are they? They don't exist. Where is the pre-existent material that God uses to create the light that we just read about? What stuff is he using to make light? That stuff doesn't exist. All that you see around you, to include you and the people in your life, it all exists because God spoke a word, and by his own power, he brought it into existence just by speaking the word. This is God's raw creative power put on display. And you want to know something that's beautiful? Go to the end of the Bible, and it tells you the exact same thing. God made everything. He made it good. We sang about how beautiful it was that he created it, and then sin entered into it, and we messed it up. So Revelation tells us that God is going to fix all that we mess up to include this broken world that we live in. And then here's what's beautiful. Revelation 21 says it this way. When God comes and when he restores heaven and earth and fixes it, there will be no more temple anymore. Because you don't need to go to a building. God's presence is in your midst and you have access to him directly. And then the Bible uses this language. Revelation chapter 1. There'll be no more sun in the sky in the day. There'll be no more moon in the sky at night because you don't need the sun anymore. You don't need the moon anymore. God's presence gives off the light. And the light never goes out. The moment that light begins is when God speaks the word. And it doesn't end for eternity. Because for eternity, it is God by his very presence that gives off light. It's God that is impacting the world. And what we see in just a second is God separates the light and the darkness. Two Cities Church uses language all the time. We believe it's our role to push back darkness. And if you're new, I need you to understand that isn't a model. That isn't a catchphrase that we came up with. Those words are quite literal, and they actually come out of the Old Testament. They come from the prophet Isaiah, who says that the people walking in darkness have seen what? have seen a great light, and the prophet Isaiah is referring to King Jesus. It is Jesus that brought light into a dark world. And we just believe that it's our job to continue to do what God started way back in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, what God did into it to the full when he brought forth his son. 
What we really believe is that our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates are in darkness right now. And they're going to stay in darkness until somebody steps into their darkness and until somebody brings light into their darkness. Somebody did that for me or for you if you're a Christian. And we just simply believe God is asking his people to do that for somebody who's walking in darkness right now. When you hear the phrase, push back darkness, it's not a motto. It's not a catchphrase. We're doing what God has called his children to do until he comes back and does it personally. That's what we mean by pushing back darkness. Now, let me tell you how the Jewish calendar, let me tell you how the Jewish clock works, because it works the way Genesis chapter 1 describes next, when God's word creates beauty out of something ugly, creates order out of chaos and beauty out of an ugly past. And he makes beautiful in the presence and into eternity what he started way back in Genesis chapter 1. Listen to verse 4. God saw that the light was good. And by the way, I had to do some research about what exactly does this mean. God saw that the light was good, and then God separated the light from darkness, which means never again can light and darkness exist in the same place at the same time. God separated the light from darkness, and God called the light day, and he called the darkness, thank you, there was evening, notice the language right here, there was morning, one day. And to this day, Jews mark a calendar by day and by night and day. We typically say day and night. They would say night and day. And a day starts when the sun goes down. And it ends at the end of the next period, where for most of us, day ends when the sun goes down. For them, there was evening and then there was morning. And evening and morning equal one day. And this is where I get the one 24-hour period. Now, the Bible says this. God separated the day and the night. And he pushed these two apart for good. Has anybody in this room, and this is really, really hard to do, very rare. Has anybody in this room ever been in 100% total darkness? You cannot see this right here. It's only happened once or twice in my life. And both times, I was in a triple canopy jungle at night trying to move through the jungle. The problem is that in a triple canopy jungle at night, there's no way that any light from the sky can get into that jungle. The, the leaves of the trees and the canopy of the jungle block the light. So it's literally 100% darkness. And in special operations, we went into the jungle at night with luminous material and with night vision goggles. But the problem is, luminous material retains light, and the night vision goggles magnify light. If you have no light, it's worthless. And more than a couple of times, I had to tell new leaders that were in the jungle for the first time, uh, yo, rangers don't move through the jungle at night. And they're like, come on, we are the most talented warriors on the planet. I said, you don't understand. Nobody moves through the jungle at night. The animals don't even move in the jungle at night. The crickets don't even crawl through the jungle at night. Everybody just stops until the sun comes up, and then they move again. And the leaders didn't believe me, 
And they wanted to try to move through the jungle at night. And the jungle was so dark that you couldn't see this. And so here we go. I've tried this before. I already know this is how this is going to come out. But we'll try it because you're in charge and you want us to. And we start to move. And one guy in the front takes a step. But the problem with moving in the darkness is you don't trust anything around you. You didn't even trust where your foot is stepping. Because you're not sure if you're about to step off of a cliff. And the only way that we can follow the guy in front of us is he opens up his military compass and drapes it across his equipment so that we can see it from behind. That military compass has tritium inside of it, radioactive material that creates its own light and just enough light to see from my nose to a foot or two in front of me. And no exaggeration, five, six, eight hours later, and we have moved about 100 yards. At, at last, the leader says, forget it. It's not worth it. Just stop where you're at. Go to sleep. When the sun comes up tomorrow, then we'll finish going because I guess you don't move through the jungle at night. Well, what the Bible is describing for us right now is absolute total darkness. There is nothing around you. And darkness like this is paralyzing. Because darkness like this causes you to lose trust in what is around you because you can't make anything out. You don't even trust the next step. You don't trust leaning to your right or to your left. That's the kind of darkness that we have here. Until God, I really believe what the Bible is saying in the Hebrew language is God speaks one word, light. And that one word separates forever. Light and darkness Go into the darkest space in your house. Go into an interior closet. Close the doors. Pack something underneath the doorway and light a, dark, light a candle. And the moment that you spark the light, the darkness flees. Because light and darkness cannot exist in the same space at the same time. God created it that way. And God said, that light that I just made, that's good. I was trying to figure out what exactly does that word good mean when God pronounces that his creation is good. So there's a range of meanings here. That word could mean that it's pleasant. That word could mean that it's productive, meaning I can get stuff done now that there's light. When there's darkness, I can't even move one step. That word could mean that it's pretty. And so I'm sitting there trying to do some work. Does it mean A, that it's pleasant? Does it mean B, that it's productive? Does it mean C, that it's pretty? And it finally occurred to me, I think that word means D, all of the above. When God created, he took beauty. He made something beautiful out of ugly. He made order out of chaos. He made productive out of paralyzing. He made something beautiful out of the ugly, watery depths at this moment. And I really believe God is still in the business of doing this. Just not necessarily on a cosmic, universal scale anymore. You see, I really believe God is still in the business of doing this for people individually. And I'm convinced because he did it for me. 
For those of you who heard me, my story last week, I told you that there was a moment that my neighbors came by and they shared Jesus with me, but I had bought into evolution and I had lots of questions. And then they shattered my worldview in one moment with one question. Before the beginning, where did God get the stuff to create everything with? And if there was nothing and then there was something, you have a miracle if there's something out of nothing. And then it occurred to me that there must be a God, that he must be a powerful God. And I got on my knees and I asked Jesus to change me. And I remember something very vividly. I thought I was a pretty good guy when I became a Christian. And then Jesus started to shine his light into my dark, wicked soul. And the more that I started to walk with Jesus, the more that he started to show me a part of my life that wasn't right. I didn't even know that that was in my life. I didn't even know that I was doing that. But the longer that I walked with Jesus, the more that he started showing me some things about my soul that I just didn't recognize. I distinctly remember a moment in high school. I just created a word, re-moment. I just distinctly remember a moment in high school when I was driving to school one morning and it occurred to me, I am much more of a sinner than I ever knew before becoming a Christian. It's only after becoming a Christian that I really started to realize how wicked, how dark my soul is. I thought I was a pretty good dude until Jesus started to show me what was really going on. And now I realize I got a lot of work to do and I need the Holy Spirit's help. And I'm convinced that there are millions or billions of people that are not running to Jesus and running to the light because they just don't realize how dark it is around them. They don't realize how dark it is around them until somebody shines just a little bit into their soul. Now, don't get me wrong, church. It wasn't criticism. It wasn't condemning. Jesus didn't make me feel bad about my soul. He actually won my soul over with his love and his grace. And then he started to show me, hey, Jeff, can I show you something about your life yesterday that needs to change? And by the way, two days ago, can I remind you of something that you said and that stuff needs to go or something that you didn't do last week, but it's time for you to start doing. And it was by the love of Jesus that he started to shine his light down on me. And I started to realize, wow, I've got some work to do. See, I'm convinced Jesus is still in the business of shining his light down in people's darkness, of drawing them out of their dark sin and into a relationship with him. And then when that relationship starts and you start walking with him, then he starts to show you some stuff in your life that's been there all along, but you couldn't see it. And you know why you couldn't see it, church? Come on, this is a pretty easy one. You couldn't see it because you were in darkness. And it wasn't until he starts bringing some of those things into the light that now you can start to see, wow, I didn't even realize I was doing that. But now that I realize it, I got a lot of work to do. I thought I was a pretty good guy before Jesus saved me. And it was only after he saved me that I started to realize just how bad I was and just how much I needed his light, just how much I needed his love which is exactly what the Bible is reminding us today. Before the first moments of creation, there really was something. 
There was the love of Jesus that existed in God's divine plan. It was there from the very beginning. It was actually there before the beginning. And his plan was to shine his light on us. I want you to listen to the way the Apostle Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, we have been changed. We've been radically altered by King Jesus. We've been made new by him because it is God who shined his light on us. He said, let light shine out of the darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And then he has shown his light into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory. And this is the phrase that I absolutely love for this verse. The light of the knowledge of God's glory lets us see the face of Jesus. And it's only because God shined his light down into our dark world that we could start to see the face of Jesus. I, every time I preach, I made a commitment to God years ago that every time I preach, I will offer somebody who's listening the chance to be made new by Jesus for the first time. Can I tell you why I do that, church? Several years ago, I was hanging out with a friend in Birmingham, and he was distraught about last Sunday. He said, Jeff, I've been going to church for years. I have been talking to my neighbor about church for years. I have been inviting my neighbor to come to church with me for years, and he didn't want anything to do with Jesus, and he didn't want anything to do with church. And then life got hard for him. And then the bottom dropped out. And then, then he started to go through a crisis. So I showed up and I ministered to my neighbor. And I invited my neighbor to come with me to church. And for the first time ever, he came with me to church last week. And my preacher opened the Bible and my preacher laid out for us what the Bible was saying. And then at the end of the sermon, he closed the Bible. He prayed, said amen, and he dismissed everybody. And I was devastated because it was the first time ever that man had walked into the doors of a church. And I believe he was ready to hear how he could be saved. I believe he was ready to be changed. And my preacher never mentioned it. And I'm not sure he'll be back next week. And this friend of mine in Birmingham never told me, um, never uh, begged me or told me to offer people the chance to respond to the gospel, but it occurred to me, you know, I preached a sermon or two, and at the end I closed the Bible and prayed and said amen and said you could go. And it occurred to me, maybe somebody walked in the door that day who was at a bar looking for a way out of their problems last night and drunk on the side of the ditch, but alcohol wasn't working. Maybe she was running to relationships and she was going from one man to the next and one relationship to the next, looking for love, but those relationships weren't giving her what she was looking for. And then she stumbled into the church for the first time in her life. And I opened the Bible and I preached and then I prayed and I closed the Bible and I never gave her the chance to turn to the light and be changed. And that was the moment I made a vow to God for the rest of my life, God, if you give me the chance to stand up, I'm going to give the chance, give somebody in the room the opportunity to be saved. And so here's what I want to do for us right now. 
Somebody in this room, I don't, you, you probably can't possibly see this at all, but somebody in this room may need to run to Jesus for the first time. And if that's you, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. For all of the rest of us, I want to challenge you. Would you hang on to the word of God like your life depends on it? Because it does. Would you open up the scriptures this week? Would you spend a few minutes with them this week? Would you let him speak to you from his word this week? And would you let his word give you the strength, encourage you, help you, shine light into your dark circumstances this week? Would you just turn to the word of God and allow the promises of God to hold you through your hardships this week? Would you just simply grab a hold of that word that is living and powerful and active and hold on to it like your life depends on it. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.